Welcome back, Double Teamed fam. How are we all doing? Happy Thursday. I hope you came. Um, but today we have a wonderful guest here with us today. Actually, someone recommended her to us and we found her and we were like, oh my God, yes, of course. So Jessica, founder of The Journey, which is a coaching platform focused on wellness and relationships. She just launched her podcast, Open Late, on her non-monogamy journey. So we've got a lot to talk about. Jessica, if you want to say hello. Thank you so much, Cammy, And thank you, Nikki. I'm really excited to be here. I was just telling you, ladies, I was deep diving on your show this whole last week because, yeah, you guys reached out to me out of the blue. You were like, someone said that we should check out your show. And that was just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, here we are. I'm stoked. Can I say, I just love your cover art. Yeah. The blazer and the heel moment. Thank I'm like, you. oh, girl. Such a like, power move. Yes. yes. I have to say, like, that that whole shoot was so out of the norm for me. And mm. two of my really good girlfriends, the photographer, Vika, and the stylist, Elizabeth, I mean, and my, my glam page, they pulled it together. Yes. Because I live my life in kimonos and you know, <laughs> yes. I do and robes and yoga clothes and so when I was launching Open Late my podcast it sort of felt like this part of my identity that I hadn't ever really showed people before and mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of the you know clothing and so we did the the shoot for the cover art and they crushed it those shoes are yes. Valentinos and I was <gasps> like I just want to like touch these everywhere and keep them on my feet and take photos did of you them get all day long them? I did Perfect. Okay. Love that. Yes. Oh, I, you know, I've always wanted to work with the stylist. I want to see what someone look, you know, have someone look at me and be like, I know what will look good on you. Oh my you God, know? girl. Big hair, big city. You have to follow her on Instagram. She is, I'm telling you, like killer. And then I Plug had her. her. Yeah. Yes. We, well, I did a big launch party for my mm -hmm. show and oh, nice. she dressed me for the party too. And people are like, what are you wearing? It was really oh, fun. God. Yeah. I love that. The only two times in my life that I've ever done that. Let me ask, in terms of the Open Late podcast, so you started it as kind of like an outlet to discuss more like about your non-monogamy journey? Because this is kind of like why I started this one too. Yeah. So like I can totally relate to you on this. You know, granted, I didn't have the the shoot. Um, so <laughs> Kimi and I took a camera and went in front of a pink wall in, in the middle Los Angeles of Hollywood on Melrose <laughs> and took oh. a picture. At, um, what's the store? Yeah, the Paul something. Yeah. Smith? Yeah, that Paul one. Paul Smith. Yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so so I can totally relate to that. And it, for me, at least, it was it was one of those things where it's like, I really enjoy talking about this. I always get so many questions about it. Like, I just wanted to use it as a creative outlet. And so that's why I started it. What was that? What was the why for you? Well, it's an interesting thing. It was a little bit born out of my need and obsession with service and mm. what I can do for other people. I've been a coach for a long time and a facilitator. You know, I've done a ton of retreats for women and, you know, circles and coaching programs. And I started to see over and over that people's relationships and their relationship with themselves and their self-judgment around, you know, having trouble being monogamous or having, you know, just the idea that they would have to settle, you mm -hmm. know, and like be with one person and feel not great at it. Yeah. Started to show up in all of the work that I was doing. And I was privately non-monogamous for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, my husband and I, like, 
our journey is so interesting because we didn't tell anybody that we were monogamish or having these like, you know, going to sex parties or mm-hmm. like hooking up with other people and couples. And, you know, the only people who knew were maybe our Burning Man camp because we would like turn up at the Orgy Dome, which is, you know, uh, a thing yep. at Burning Man. <sighs> My dream. Um, <laughs> and yeah, eventually I did give a talk at Burning Man the last year that, you know, we had it in 2019. And it was so well received. And it was the first time that I was really public about it. And people kind of knew and some of our closest friends knew at that point, but not our families. And I would certainly not talk about it, you know, on my like platform on Instagram because Mm -hmm. I was a coach and like I did women's retreats. It was so far from what I was doing, but it's really not. There's so much intersectionality there. And once I gave my first talk about it at Burning Man. So many people followed up with me about it. And Mm. this little, you know, community or network started to grow. And then just more people started to show up and ask me questions about it as almost, you know, intuitively, like the universe just kept putting them in my path. And eventually I just, I was sitting in a course that I was um, peer coaching or mentor coaching and it had like 50 people in it. And one day, so many people were sharing their self-judgment, their self-loathing about having trouble being faithful or being faithful, but after two or three years, having thoughts about other, fantasizing about other people and Mm -hmm. feeling like the worst partner in the world. And I'm like in my seat, like you're fucking human. Like you're human. (laughs) You're normal. And so eventually I was like, screw it. I don't care about my own personal shame or embarrassment or about anything coming out. You know, I I was worried that I was going to hurt people like Mm -hmm. in my family that are more conservative (laughs) or maybe something like that. And it just went out the window. I was like, screw it. I'm doing this. It's going to help so many people. And it has. It's it's been quite the the four months of like confirmation and feed forward. Yeah. I mean, I definitely can agree with a lot of that in the sense that I went through, we, you know, when my husband and I opened up, we didn't tell anyone either. And I know I've talked about on the show before how like Cami didn't know and Cami's like the person that knows everything about my life. Wow. And she, even she didn't know for like, I think a year or two, just because, yeah, like you said, you carry like shame with it or you're just like, you don't know how to, how to communicate that. And we were so new, like in the beginning of it, I hardly even like knew what to call it, what it was, Mm -hmm. like the terms, all of that. And so I just knew that, you know, we had this agreement and we were good with it and we were happy. So like, whatever. And then when it came to, you know, releasing, you know, this podcast as well, it was, it was kind of that same feeling. It's like, you know what, to hell with it all. Like, yeah, I just want to like, to, to me, you know, I didn't have any sources to look to when I first started my journey because I didn't know. I didn't know where to look. I didn't know any, anything about it. And um, like, I just want people to have sources that they can turn to to learn more about it because yeah, like it's a valid option. And I think people forget that, you know, like you said, everyone came to you with questions because everyone's curious. Mm-hmm. It's so out of the norm. And I think it's so normal to want to know, even if it's to, to just like understand like, okay, this is what it's like. And maybe it's not for me. Like, I think that's a valid thing for people to pursue as well. Yes. And I love what you said. There really, there was not a healthy model out there because mm-hmm. we opened up you know, like seven, almost eight years ago now for the first time. And it was like, there was not a single resource, no one to talk to. And I kept it from my best friend for a couple of years, maybe like two, three years. And it was so liberating to like share. And now same, same as you, it is sort of my outlet for Mm -hmm. it. And I feel like it was born out of this need to help other people. And now I'm no, I love this Mm -hmm. because it's like this deep, level of self-acceptance that I didn't have before. Yeah. And 
yeah, it's just been the best. And I love like having people on. And now I get to, the the premise of my show for the first like 10 or 12 episodes was I had people interview me because it's, I always call myself like the most boring polyamorous person you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wouldn't sort of tell a juicy enough story. I had to have people ask me questions about my journey mm-hmm. so that I would share the fun stuff. Otherwise, I'm like trying to spin everything and this like, here's how I was learning and growing. And it's like, no, people want your sex stories, Jessica. (laughs) So I had people interview me for the first 10 episodes and now I'm getting to interview other people on topics that I'm super excited about, like, you know, power dynamics and kink and tantra and yeah. Love that. mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now, okay, we talked a little bit about how you started the podcast and everything. I'm curious how did you and your husband kind of come to, um, you know, the realization that you wanted to explore non-monogamy, especially eight years ago? That's a long time. Yeah. Um, so and and to be able to to practice it that long and um, and you know still be here today and all of that. So I'm curious, how did that come about? Yeah, it's a really fun story. We had an accidental threesome. Oh, yes, nice, and it was really nice. It was. <laughs> Such a fun night. It was New Year's. We weren't even married yet. I think we had been living together for about six months, but we knew like we had been friends for a while. Mm -hmm. And like when he moved in, we just knew that this was it. Like we were going to be together and get married. And, you know, it was like everything else stopped. We went out on New Year's and we took home one of my girlfriends that I had like an attraction to for a while, but. I never acted on it. She and I definitely had, like, I think a mutual understanding that there was sexual chemistry there. But I was so, like, in my little box of, like, I don't I don't hook up with women. Um, other than when I was, like, in college and it was, you know, you, like, made out with people because it was, like, the thing to do, right? <laughs> but I was—I had so much shame around what that actually— could mean that I walked yeah. out of like multiple potential threesomes in my yeah. 20s. Uh, I was very close-minded. I was worried about what it would mean and yeah. like the aftermath of it yeah. all and like, you know, if it would ruin things because of just like, you know, shit that you like grow up hearing or believing or, you know, other people's things impressed upon you, their, you know, projections. So finally, I'm in this amazing relationship and I think that's why I felt safe enough to like go there mm-hmm. and ended up kissing this girlfriend at midnight because she was like there single solo and Aww. she made a cute joke she's like well who am I gonna kiss at midnight Posh <laughs> was like you can kiss Jessica <laughs> like you guys can kiss I'm good I don't need <laughs> I'll <laughs> like, watch <laughs> I can like just remember his face he was like I think he thought he masterminded the whole thing but we went- <laughs> We went home. It was the longest cab ride. Of, this was back before Uber. Like, we used oh, to shit. take cabs. I was living in Vegas. We lived in Vegas at the time. And this cab driver took, I think, hours. But we were, like, so drunk. <laughs> like, we just, like, were in the back of the cab doing everything, <gasps> um, which was a blast. And Yeah. And then it was just a magical night. And after that, we actually continued to see her, like, you know, here and there. Um, not super consistently, but enough that it was, we carried on like a beautiful little relationship mm-hmm. um, as she was single before she met her, you know, partner. And um, yeah, it was like the beginning of this 
amazing thing that I had no idea was going to turn into my life. And now like something that I share with the world because I was like, I had no idea it was going to happen. And then after it, I was so concerned with like what everybody would think. And Pasha calmed me down and he's like, well, first of all, no one has to know. And I was like, good, because this needs to be a secret. (laughs) big time. And he's like, also, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. All that matters is if you liked it, like Mm -hmm. that's something you should explore. And I did. And he encouraged me to like, to explore with other women um, on my own if I wanted to. And we started being monogamish. We would do things together. We like eventually got on fields when it was like brand new. Uh, Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And met other singles and couples and it was amazing. Just started exploring and like, you know, tiptoeing our way into things, seeing what we liked, seeing what we didn't. And eventually after I think the first year and a half or two years of that, we um, started dating separately. Nice. Mm. And yeah, so it's been an evolution ever since, but so much fun. I mean, I think that's how kind of it goes for everybody. It's an evolution. It starts out, you know, something kind of opens the door to it and then you go from there. I always laugh, you know, the the buy girlfriend or buy wife pipeline into polyamory. Yes. (laughs) It's so true, right? Like the girl's like, you know what? Like, I love your dick, but I kind of want to let's see what it's like with girls. And the next thing you know, you're like full-blown polyamorous. Yes. And like, hell yes. You're seeing men and women. They're seeing women, maybe men. You never know. Like, I I, I love to see the evolution of it because I think, you know, it is something that, A, is is good to take slow. It sounds like you guys took it at a good pace, what you were comfortable with. Um, But B, like you grow along the way and you just continue to grow into it and figure out like what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. So I think that's amazing. So what structure do you guys currently like yeah practice if you want to use like the the full-on terms it's so funny we're not like a huge fan of labels and we've always been very fluid in our relationship I think in the beginning we were concerned with like well I was concerned with like what is this and you know what what are are the what are we (laughs) right I remember when I realized that we were like transitioning from kind of monogamish with like some boundaries to like open and I got really freaked out and I was like we're not just gonna have an open marriage and now I'm like I will never not have an open marriage yeah it's just the idea of that feels so limiting to Mm -hmm. me it might have something to do with the fact that like I have a lot of air in my chart and I'm like a (gasps) very airy constitution us too yeah what's your sign I'm an Aquarius okay we're Libras but what's the rest so we're um we have a lot of Scorpio we have a lot of Libra and I think those are the two that we mainly have. We do have an Aquarius placement. Yeah, we do. Saturn. So what? Okay. what where's yeah. the, what's the other ear? I'm an Aquarius and I have a Scorpio rising and I have a Leo moon. So I'm actually balanced in my astrology, but in like Ayurveda and in other things, mm-hmm. I have a lot of air mm-hmm. um, nice. just like by nature. And the, the Aquarius is like the most like need for freedom sign. Oh, absolutely. The most air sign of yeah. air sign. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, and and my husband has Aquarius. He's a, an Aquarius rising and a Pisces. Um, What's his son? He is a, um, oh, Pisces sun. Sorry, I was oh, thinking sun? moon. He has a Virgo moon. He's a little like. Interesting, uh, yeah. Pisces sun. Yes, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but <laughs> my husband and my other partner have the same birthday. Oh, really? Oh. Yes. Love that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's easy to remember at least. Makes yeah. it super easy. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they're both like, and you know, she's a woman. So I have like the most amazing man in that form, like in that astrological makeup and the like goddess version of it too. Oh, I which, love that. 
I didn't realize how crazy that would be when we all first started, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but now I'm like, holy shit, this is like the jackpot. Because I love everything about him and just sort of the way he operates. And she's the same. Pisces are deep, man. They're mm-hmm. morose. They're like just, there's such a depth to them. But they're dreamers. You know, they're ruled by Neptune. And mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a thing for Pisces men. They, they're kind of my Achilles heel. Um, mm. And you know what they say, like, Pisces dream, Libras make it happen. So that that's kind of, and I think, you know, Aquarius is kind of one of those signs too. Like they make it happen. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is. Like they're the dreamers and you're the one that's like, let's lay it all out. Let's it's get it true. Together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how we operate. Yeah. I love that. So now, so you mentioned your husband and your other partner. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit of the story just because I know we talked about it. Um, and also in, you know, listening to some of your episodes as well. But to kind of dive into it for our listeners. Now, okay, you know, let me backtrack a little bit here. When it comes to triads, as I'm sure you know, there's always kind of a lot of opinions about triads. Let's Mm -hmm. put it that way. How they're supposed to be formed, you know, the ethical way for it to form, how they should operate. Um, I think of all the structures in polyamory, they tend to be the most... Um, a, the most discussed, B, the ones that most people are like, but no, people tend to look at them and they're like, it's way too hard. It's very complicated. I've never been in a full-blown triad, but I did tell my doms that I love them and turns out they love me too. Um, so <laughs> That's amazing. That's Anyways, so great. Um, but congratulations. Thank you. I don't know if it's a full-blown triad. You know what? They listen to the podcast. I'm going to have to ask them. Um, but what I, what I was getting to that is like, I, I don't have a lot of experience in triads, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I, I, th- I find them very fascinating. I think they're very interesting. Um, and it sounds like you guys definitely had a very healthy way about approaching it. So do you want to kind of give us the, maybe kind of the yes. cliff notes on how that all formed and started and whatnot? Yes. Hearing you like even ask that question was making me realize like, I don't have a lot of experience with triads either. Um, and I just love the way that you talk about this because I can tell that you guys do your research and you kind mm. of like check things out and, you know, the topics that you're going to talk about, you really want to know them well. Because I'm like, is that the most talked about? Like, I, you know, I'm still learning. If you go and on Reddit and TikTok, yeah. Yeah. I need to get on TikTok. Okay. Uh, so that's like my assignment it's a for next week. scary world out there. I, I want to make it happen. <laughs> and you you asked me about labels and actually we got sidetracked. So when you were saying oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so like, sorry. Oh, I I'm no, so sorry. I, I got sidetracked. I don't even think I answered your question. But it's... So we were a triad for a little bit, and now we're back to that place where we're like, we're all, you know, fluid, because they're like water signs, and I'm an Aquarius. I'm like, we can't have labels. Um, and moving. she broke up with me, so there's that. <gasps> um, no, it's a, I, I tend to make that joke a lot. It's, that's not really what happened. Here we go. All right, let's So see Pasha and Lauren had, they actually met before, right around the time that Pasha and I met years ago, like, mm nine, 10 years ago. And um, they went on a date. They like met on an app, like Tinder or Hinge back then. I don't even know if there were other ones. Um, And they went on a date and they had like a little bit of chemistry, but nothing ever came of it. It became a friend zone thing. And she she says now that she really wasn't over her ex. (laughs) She like started crying on the date. I see. Yeah. So we've all been there. Yeah. They end up like nothing happens between them. And They were like Instagram friends or whatever, but, you know, seven years go by. And when I met my husband, he was coaching in this, you know, personal development course that then I ended up doing because he and a bunch of our friends were doing it. So seven years later, we are mentor coaching in this. It's the same course I was talking about earlier. And in walks Lauren. 
as oh. like a participant. And he kind of like comes over to me, you know, that morning and he's like, hey, just so you know, there's a there's a girl in here that like I, I made out with, but like nothing, never went anywhere. Um, but like, I just, you know, want you to be aware because yeah. we tell each other everything and he's like Aww. interesting dynamic. He winds up being her coach and they end up getting like really close, but in a very mm-hmm. platonic way because in this program, there's like, once you get into the thick of it, you're really working on yourself and you're yeah. super vulnerable. Like there's, it's, yeah. it's not sexy. You're yeah. like, you know, even with the coaches. So, but she ends up becoming really good friends with all of our friends because also like our best friend Claude and Ben and Sean, like a bunch of our friends did this course at the same time. My mom was in there oh, wow. for this group. So Lauren ends up moving in with Claude, who's like my husband's best friend. Oh, wow. And they they live less than a mile from our house. So she moves to LA, it moves in with Claude, and we're hanging out all the time. And she's a photographer and like she and I are doing photo shoots now. So she we go on this photo shoot. <laughs> she's like, you know what would make this photo better if you were naked? And I was like, You're oh. absolutely right. This is like 10 minutes into the photo shoot. This is our <laughs> fo- first shoot. So she gets me naked and I can I'm like, oh, okay, Lauren's like you know, I feel like maybe into me, but I'm not so sure. And I had sensed a little bit of chemistry between her and Pasha because at this mm-hmm. point, the course was over months ago. And, you know, she's coming over to her house for like pizza and wine nights and like, yeah. we have a hot tub. And so I'm like, maybe there's a little attraction there. So we go to dinner that night with Pasha mm-hmm. and we end up going home, just the three of us to our place and we have Ooh. more wine. And we're like talking and that gets a little sexy and we're like t- telling sex stories and it gets sexier. And then Pasha's like rubbing her shoulders and I'm like, this is about to go down. Did y'all play <laughs> Never Have I Ever? I don't think we did. That's how you get it started. That's something, <laughs> that's so something that my husband would do. Like he is like definitely the engine. Um, but I think it was his idea to like tell your, like your most racy sex story or whatever. And love we actually that. were calling friends and making them tell us their oh, sex shit. stories too. We that. were like bringing people in. So pre-polyamorous of us. So they start kissing. He like Spider-Man kisses her because he's like massaging her shoulder. Her and I are like sitting on the floor around my coffee table. And then like, I like look over and he's like kissing her and then they stop and she like looks at me like, is this okay? And I like- Wait, did she not know y'all were non-monogamous? So she says that she didn't know. And I'm like, at that point, which is so interesting because I, in my mind, thought that everybody started to know. Mm. Oh, I see. Okay. Claude knew and he was like our best friend and, you know, like a lot of people that she had become friends with through our friend group knew so I'm like, how does Lauren not know? So she's like, no, I didn't know. It's taken by surprise. But I'm like, maybe that's what she really wants. You know, like sometimes you can convince yourself you don't know something. Yeah. Um, but apparently she didn't. So we were both kind of shocked about that. And I, she looks at me and I look at her and I'm like, that was really beautiful. Keep, don't stop because of me. <laughs> <laughs> and she just like gets these like a huge eyes, like big smile. And she, you know, because she had had threesomes before, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but not really any experience with polyamory. It was just like party, yeah. fun, whatever. Um, and so that night, the three of us had an epic threesome, like mm-hmm. the best of my life. And I can tell they had chemistry, but I didn't know that she was really attracted to me. And so like that played out and it was so nice. It was like the most... I think loving and just 
I don't know, just this beautiful flow of like equal bonding and her and I got some time to like really connect and it was fire, like massive fireworks. And it was the first time that I was like, oh my God, I actually like want to see her again. I'd had threesomes mm-hmm. with women in the past. I loved having sex with women, but it was a very like physical thing. Yeah. Like it was just really fun and women are beautiful. Women's bodies are gorgeous. Of course, like who doesn't want to have sex with women? Um, but I felt this like, I don't know, feeling for Lauren. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I hope she feels that too. Cause I'm like really into her. Like romantic. Yeah. Feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, it, something's going to happen just between the two of them. And I was really excited about it because I had had my own thing in the past yeah. with other guys, never really another woman. Like I was saying, I didn't have that like romantic attraction. Um, but I had definitely had other guys like two cases where I carried on relationships that, you know, meant something to me that like I cared for them. They cared for me. And Pasha had never really had that. Uh Um, And I think it's a little bit harder for men to find that with women. It is, yeah. Yeah, in like the non-monogamy space because most women are looking for a primary partner or, you know, whatever. And so I was like really excited for them. And then very quickly it became clear that she was interested in both of us. And it wasn't like she even knew that until it happened. And it just evolved into this like beautiful triad. And it lasted in the way that the three of us were romantic and consistent for about nine months where, you know, we, Pasha and I were not like seeing or dating anybody else. There was like no need. The three of us were together all the time. Um, And then at about like nine months, the two of them kind of just fizzled out naturally. Mm -hmm. They started to feel very, I've said this so so many times, I feel like a broken record, but they're born in the same day. Mm -hmm. They're twin flames. They have a lot of brother-sister energy. And there's a lot of like, you know, mentorship there too. And, you know, between the two of them, but, you know, he, like him is a mentor. And so they started to fizzle out and her and I got closer Like, we were like, okay, well, we're not stopping what's happening here. And, you know, and then we just, we also started working together. We started doing retreats together and leading women's circles. And um, Lauren's an amazing photographer. So we do, like, um, we help women really unleash, like, the goddess and heal any kind of, like, body shame so that they can take, like, these gorgeous photos. And, yeah, so she and I just continued to blossom until we took the label off also because then at some point she, like, wanted to date again. And I was like, of course you should. But she's like, I feel like I can't if, like, we have this label. Like, I I just want to have, you know— that makes like sense. ultimate freedom. And so now we're just all very fluid. And, you know, when the three of us are together, like on vacation or something, we'll have like an amazing time and it'll be like really great. And everybody is romantic and included. And then we go about our normal lives. And Lauren is still at my house, like, I don't know, four days a week. And the two of them will like, it's really sweet. They, they'll like kiss and cuddle and hug. And then they just go back to like doing their thing. And that's that, yeah. Yeah, and people are always like, well, what do you call that? And I'm like, I don't know, we're a family. It's very... It doesn't need a label. Yeah. It sounds like it was very organic. It was very organic, very (laughs) non-GMO. Well, no, it's This relationship is from Air One. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Air One. I always make that joke because I say that too. I'm like, it's very organic. And then my friend was like, what, like non-GMO relationships? Yes. Yes. Oh, the Air One reference. Yeah. I, well, and 
First of all, I want in on one of these photo shoots. Yes. Um, oh my God, you guys should come. Yes. She does like one day events That'd sometimes. Cool. We do like a four day retreats. Like mm. we have one in Sedona and one in Cabo coming up in the spring. Oh, you guys that. should come. Um, it'd be amazing. And yeah, we do a lot. I mean, there's a lot that happens in the retreat. We do like a healing ceremony and the photo shoot. But she does like one day shoots usually in Malibu at the beach. Oh, oh that's I love beautiful. That. Mm-hmm. Well, but I was going to say, it sounds like you all gave each other the like the room mm-hmm. and grit, like just autonomy. To, yeah, autonomy yeah. to see how you wanted it to be for yourself. Yeah. And you all did that like seamlessly. You must all be very like emotionally developed. Which it sounds like you are. If you're, you know, coaching and in healing and in all of that, like maybe that's where it stems from. And maybe that's why you had, you guys had such like a positive experience in this triad because, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, the reason that they're the most talked about or the ones that I see people voice the most opinion on is because a lot of times it's a couple mm-hmm. and they add a third and then, you know, things pop up like couples privilege and hierarchy right. and all these things and like autonomy goes out the window and it's like if you know the third person breaks up with one then that means the whole thing mm-hmm. you know dissolves because they, they break up with the couple and so it sounds like you and your husband you know walked into it with a lot of autonomy in the sense it's like okay you know maybe her and I aren't working out but if you two want to explore that that's totally fine and like I, I think that's just such a like a healthy way to do it and and it shows, you know, I don't, you said this was a couple of years into your non-monogamy journey? Yeah, this was like a decent time. I think like four or five years almost. Into nice, it. okay. So yeah, we had been like through that kind of stuff and putting in the work. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah. you kind of, you, you were, you were better set up for it mm-hmm. and it's not something that you jumped into right in. So I, yeah, I applaud you guys for that. And Thank like, you. I remember when I, when I learned more about it, I'm like, this is the blueprint that we should give to everyone that's like, we want to add a third. I'm like, follow yeah. this. Yeah. We need to like write a, write a book, how to add your third. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Like not everybody is in this place. And I feel really lucky. We had been on that personal development journey for a long time. And I worked through, like we both did so much jealousy, so much, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where Lauren called me one day in the very beginning and she was like terrified because she's like, I think think I'm going to fall in love with your husband. Like, how is that okay with you? And I was like, I don't know, but like, I'm here for it. And it (laughs) it was the first time because I had been triggered by women in the past and not really fully open to the idea of like him falling in love with somebody else. But it was just timing and like a different stage in my life where I was like, I'm more excited than scared of this. And, you know, at the end of the day, like if someone's not meant to be with you you shouldn't try to like hold on to them because that's like not no i gonna keep them um yeah. yeah so yeah and props to her because she's extremely emotional intelligent emotionally intelligent too like she's done the work and came into this relationship with like so much um grace and i think just maturity so she was like the perfect is the perfect you know third I'm curious, um, in terms of, because you said that that was her first experience with non-monogamy, was there anything that you, like, turned her to, or did you kind of, you know, I don't want to say, like, coach her, but, like, you know, kind of, like, fill her in on, on, you know, kind of the work that you guys put into it and everything, just because I feel like a lot of times when it's someone that is monogamous or has only been in monogamous relationships— and, you know, they're welcomed into a polyamorous space. Someone's got to kind of take the lead into helping this person kind of understand it a little bit more. Yeah, that's such a great question because it made me think of this moment. We were we were on vacation 
Um, we went to Bali with like a big group of our friends and we spent so much of this vacation like processing and talking and like being uncomfortable and like crying and because, you know, at the time, this was like right around the time that we had really slid into this like groove of, okay, it's the three of us and we go on this trip and my husband's like very flirty and she had really never seen him that way Mm -hmm. because we had been so focused on her. Yeah. And now we're like, you know, in Bali partying, like in these beautiful places, beautiful people. And she was really triggered by him like showing attention or affection to other women in a way that he wasn't even really like stepping over any boundaries, but it made us realize that we didn't set up relationship agreements with her. Yeah. We had them between the two of us, but this was all brand new to her. Yeah. And so I actually almost had to like step in and help the two of them communicate. I mean, in the three of us, but my husband didn't realize like we were expecting Lauren to do like five years of the work in, yeah. in like you know, five days having like, you know, not gone through all the things that we went through together. So that was really interesting. And, you know, for her, it was a learning curve. Um, but really all she needed was like assurance and to to know that she, you know, know how Pasha felt about her and to know that she was safe yeah. and like what his intentions were if he was going to be flirting. Um, and that's like really all it is. It's like we didn't communicate and then things like, you know, got really messy quickly because of assumptions and projections. And like, as soon as we sat down and we were like, okay, let's have this uncomfortable conversation. And I think it sounds like we need relationship agreements and boundaries, like with Lauren and like how we all want to show up. Then it was like easy cake. And another thing that I feel like her and I learned together and like, I even learned because of her is like, Pasha and I have been together for so much longer. And it's not that we you know, we don't take our relationship for granted. We work on it consistently. Like we're even in therapy right now because like we want to start a family soon. Mm. So we're like, we need to make sure we are in tip top shape because kids are going to try to fuck that up. Um, (laughs) So we're like, you know, working on ourselves in our relationship, but we're effortless in how we spend time together and working with Lauren as far as like a business partner. She's the one who stepped up and been like, we have to put in work in our romantic relationship or I'm not going to be happy. And I was like, okay, now I have two people that I, you know, for me, it was a learning curve. And she was the one who was like, this is what I need. Eventually she started to speak up and because our relationship went to the back burner when we started putting out a lot of offerings together and all of it was so well received that we got really busy, you know, with our work. And she's like, we need a date night. Like this is not okay. And so... Um, in a lot of ways, she like retaught me things that I haven't really had to think about since I haven't really been dating. Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't. That's why I call myself the most boring polyamorous person because there's there have been long stretches of time where like I don't really express myself as polyamorous and haven't dated. And um, that's why this year I'm actually like focusing on my pleasure. 2022 is the year of that for me. I even got a pleasure coach because for a while I just like, you know, put all of that on the back burner to focus on work. And then I have these two partners. So it's like everything got to a little bit of like autopilot. And yeah, she was like, I don't like this. And I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am. We're doing it. I like that you mentioned the fact that, um, 
like how you say you're you're boring just because you're not like dating around. Like I feel like I see so much on the fact that like monogamous like people who practice monogamy they look at polyamorous or non-monogamous people and they're like, oh, shouldn't you be dating like all the time? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, no. I can have two partners and be fine. Yeah. Like, that doesn't mean I have a whole. Tinder or zero roster. partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or zero partners. You can be a polyamorous and have zero partners at one time, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's people in, forget that. It's interesting. I think, like, when people hear you're polyamorous or, you know, non-monogamous, it gets, like, almost over-sexualized because it's oh, yeah. all they equate it with, right? Yeah. And it's like— Or know, they think you just want to fuck everyone. Right. Yeah. And it's like, just because I'm— non-monogamous doesn't mean I want to have sex. Yeah, <laughs> don't get me it's wrong. like, I don't want to fuck everyone any more than you want to fuck everybody, but in your mind and you just don't tell anybody about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being slutty and polyamorous because I put a lot of emphasis on my pleasure personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, I-, I agree. People look at you and they're like, oh, then all you want is sex. And I'm like, no, I want meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to date you or I want to, you know, like, build something here but like they have a hard time like grasping the the ability to have multiple loving relationships which yeah. i understand like it's not a very you know it's not a common thing it's becoming more common thankfully mm-hmm. um but it's still you know something that people struggle with i was going to touch on how you mentioned you know your partner lauren having to you know you guys put in five years worth of work and then she comes in it just reminds me of you know when my husband first started dating his girlfriend it was kind of a very similar situation where she'd only ever been in non, or in monogamous relationships. And like, I just remember the first time him and I were going to a sex party and um, him and I were going as a couple. And she was like, and I remember she came to me, she was like, is this like a you and him thing? Or is this, you know, like she was asking about it. And I realized, you know, too, that, you know, there were some things that we had to like, kind of like take into consideration. And you really don't think about them until you like face up. Right. Until you're in it. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, like you said, you know, when she saw him with other women and, and maybe got a little bit of those jealous feelings or didn't know how to react. Like I remember too, when, you know, we would go out to places, you know, the three of us and, you know, either, you know, she would get attention from a guy or he would get attention from a girl. And the two of them were trying to figure out the dynamic Mm. of like, this is a brand new relationship. She's only ever been monogamous. Like, this is new for him, too, to have, like, you know, both a girlfriend and a wife and, you know, whatever. And so just very interesting. Just reminds me of those times and and how you really can't catch someone up to that level of... of Here are the cliff notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you really <laughs> We can't. wrote them down for you. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I really commend the people that are monogamous and then walk into, like, a polyamorous relationship or, you know, mm-hmm. something that's non-monogamous and are willing to, like, give it a try and put themselves in that situation because it's not for the faint of heart. Yes. It really isn't. Yeah. Not at all. But it's so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you guys want children, um, and that always makes me curious because uh, people all the time, they're like, well, how is that going to work if you're non-monogamous? Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, let's backtrack. You said you're going to focus this year on pleasure. Maybe that's going to become before children. Yes. I highly recommend the last episode we just did on the urogenous zones. I listened to it. Really it was so good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really big on the ears. And the back of the knees, actually, are like, like my hot spot. Yeah. Like right mm-hmm. here. Love that for you. Um, so I guess my question there is, is that is that something you want to focus on and then kind of— like when you bring a family aspect into it, is that still going to be a focus? If that's not too intrusive of a question. No, I love it. Thank you. Um, 
I, so I think I had this idea in my head that when we had children, all of my fun would have to stop or at Mm -hmm. least would go on the back burner, as I'm sure it will, right? Especially the first couple of years. Yeah, maybe for a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. But we've, you know, we've decided and we decided years ago that we likely will not stop being you know, polyamorous people just because we have kids. Like it's it's the same, you know, you're not going to be able to turn it off. It won't be the focus. And so, yeah, part of this year was like, this is, this will be my last year, you know, as, as a woman who's not a mother already. And so I really do want to focus on my pleasure because I put it on the back burner for a long time. And then I started working with a coach and I also have a friend that I admire so much because She's a mother, and granted, her kids are, you know, they're not like babies anymore, but she has really focused on centralizing, like, her pleasure and her identity and making sure that she still has this beautiful life that she made for herself, and I was like, oh my God, you really can have both, Mm -hmm. and so I started to think about this year as almost like laying the foundation so that when I do have kids, I can have really solid practices, and it's not just about, like, pleasure with, you know, other people and other partners. It's just, like, pleasure-based practices in general that feel really good in in my body, whether that's dancing or, you know, or solo pleasure like masturbating or making time for dates and other people. It's like, I want to make sure I don't lose myself, you know, in my motherhood. Um, but when we do have kids, we certainly won't like you know, stop, especially with Lauren, like she's such a big part of our lives. And I don't see myself not being affectionate with her, like Mm -hmm. in front of my children. I don't want to really hide anything from them. Mm -hmm. I had the fear that like, okay, kids maybe get bullied, you know, but we also like live in Los Angeles where everybody has like two dads or two moms or whatever. So I kind of, that went out the window with that. And I just think that the more people I have in my life responsibly, of course, like I'm not going to introduce strangers to, you know, my children Mm -hmm. um, in a way that, you know, would be where there are people coming in and out of their lives. But certainly like Lauren and other friends that I've maybe been intimate with, I want them to be there because I want my kids to see like what's possible and that love really does just multiply. And it's just like more people to, you know, love at the end of the day. I love that. Yeah. And I'll be the fun aunt. Yes. If you need an orgy night, (laughs) I love babysitting. So I will be the fun aunt. Oh my God, Cammie's a much better babysitter than I am. I'll go to the orgy. Cammie will. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. I'm the more motherly one out of the two of us. I don't know if I ever want my own kids, but I love babysitting. I was going to say, yeah. Do you, do you want kids? I don't either at the moment. Um, I always say I'll revisit the subject in about five to seven years. I mean, for me at least, like, you know, one of the big things kind of entering into non-monogamy is that, like, I absolutely love the idea of raising a family with someone, but it not necessarily being my child. Mm. Um, So, like, I would love, like, you know, if my husband had a child with someone else and, like, you know, to continue to be a part of that and, and be in that family or, like, if I had, you know, other partners that had children— like, I, I would love to to experience that and be a part of that, but not necessarily, like, I don't feel the need to have, like, my own biological children. 
And when you talk about that, like what what my mind goes to, I don't know if you've ever read Sex at Dawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so they talk about like the community aspect yes. and, you know, prior to capitalism and agriculture and all of that, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, I think that is just such a dream. Like if you had a, a community of people to like raise the children kind of in a more, you know, like in a way that, you know, you've got more of a community around it. I don't know what's another yes. word for community. Or, um, yeah. Tribe. I feel like tribe, yeah, tribe is kind of like a hot word. People don't like when you use it anymore, but it's yeah. like oh. we all came from tribes. Yeah. So Or they say it takes a village, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I just think that concept to me is really cool rather than like everyone's in like their very separate nuclear families and like there is no none of that kind of tribal girl feel, you know. Oh my God, I love it so much. And I have like a whole group of friends that I'm not intimate with. We're we're very intimate, but not like lovers. Um, It's like my best friends in LA. We talk about realistically like moving to a compound together right? because everybody's kind of starting to want to have you know kids soon we're all in our mid to late 30s and yeah the idea of doing it alone in isolation in this nuclear family like Mm -hmm. construct is not attractive to me whatsoever same I want my kids to like learn from other families and learn from other kids and just like grow up that way. I grew up that way kind of because where I'm from in Philadelphia, it's very like I grew up in in the inner city and um, on our street, like all the houses are attached, kind of Mm. like New York, if you imagine like brownstones in a big city. Um, My dad's sister and her husband lived right next door to us. And then my dad's brother and his wife lived in the house next door to them. And then there was a house in between. And then my mom's best friend and her husband mm. and their kids. And like everyone had kids together. And then of course, like the list goes on to other cousins and things. But we were together all day, every day. And we would eat in each other's homes. And like, you know, I feel like as children, you just like need that. Yeah. You just need that community. You need to have other role models that yeah. aren't just like your parents. Because think about all that like extra emotional regulation that's happening yeah. and all of that, like all that secure bonding. Yeah, It's just like, I can't imagine. I want my kids to be the most conscious, secure, like attached people ever. No, I agree. And I think all the time, like, you know, if I did ever have my own children, like I always like think to like how big of a, you know, of a role Cammy would play mm-hmm. in their lives or like vice versa. And, and so that's what like, to me, that's always been kind of such a norm because like I couldn't imagine my life without her. So it's like, she will always be there. My, you know, if I ever had children or like vice versa, we will always be a part of their lives. So like, yeah. and, I, and I do think, you know, like you said, for <laughs> people like us that don't want that isolation, that nuclear family, we want more of like that community feel. You know, I don't know if that's everyone's way of thinking or if that's necessarily like where we're headed as a society, but I would love to see that because I do think it's more beneficial to children. Mm -hmm. I do think when you have that isolation, in my opinion, I don't know if, you know, what it looks like in reality or whatever, but I think that's where a lot of those problems like in emotional maturity stem from. Yes. Absolutely. So I think, like you said, when you're exposed to like more adults, more mindsets, more like everyone handles emotions so differently when you have such like when you have kind of like a potluck of it all and you and you're kind of aware of it all, then I think you kind of like as a child then you can see like, okay, there's different ways of doing this. Mm-hmm. I can go about this like a multitude of ways rather than like this is how my dad processed emotions. That's the only way to process emotions. Right. This is how my mom did it. That's the only way. So like if you have 
a family or like a community that's very integrated. You have such like an exposure to all kinds of people and how they process and how they communicate, how they, you know, express love and everything. Then you, as a, you know, as a child growing up, you can form an opinion that's, I think, has more yeah. experience and everything mm-hmm. in it. So I was so going to say, data points. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't want my child to idolize me. Like as a kid, when you idolize your parents, you know, then it's like they can't mess up. They have to be perfect. And then when they do fuck up, then you're like, what the hell? Like yeah. they're not humans. Like So, and I agree with you there. Like if I have my own children, like I would want them to have other big role models that they can also like idolize in a way that way. Like Nikki said, you know, you can form your own opinion on how to handle things by, you know, observing from more than one person. So yeah. mm-hmm. totally. I think, yeah, I, I fully support, support y'all in this journey and I'm excited to see it. Thank you. Yeah. And so, and I mean, like, like I said, it sounds like you guys have put in a lot of work into it. And as you, um, you know, have a family and, and continue on that journey, I think you guys have a great foundation for it. And I know there are a lot of creators out there that have families and, you know, are polyamorous or non-monogamous. So I don't remember their accounts off the top of my head, but there are some good examples of it out there. I know. I need to do a deep dive because I also need to go swimming in the world of polyamory more. Yeah. No, I mean, to be honest, like I said, you know, I didn't for years and it wasn't until like um, around the time that a little bit before I started the podcast that I was like, oh, there's like other people that do this and a million ways to do it. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool to see how everyone does it. Um, but I definitely think it's possible to both have a family and be polyamorous. I kind of wanted to touch back a little bit on how you said you didn't, you know, you wanted to kind of establish the foundation for your pleasure before going into motherhood. I really admire that. And I really admire what you said about like wanting to make sure that, you know, as you enter mother- motherhood that you continue to stay true to yourself. Because I feel like a lot of times women do lose themselves in it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in my opinion, like from an outsp- outsider's perspective, probably having people like Lauren in your life will help you with that. Yeah. As you do that. Because, I hope so. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they kind of, they're kind of that anchor. And, you know, that's someone that's like, you know, kind of tied to your pleasure. Yeah. In a way, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I hope. And I have a lot of like really amazing mommy friends who tell me like your life is going to look so different and you can't prepare for it. And in in many ways, like you will lose yourself for a little yeah. bit for a couple of years. And I'm kind of okay with it knowing that I'll set myself up the best way that I can. And kind of like you're saying, I have these beautiful people in my life that are going to be my anchors or my touchstones. And, you know, I'll do the best that I can, you know, as it's happening. But if I set up like such a solid foundation, I'll sort of know what I can go back to or mm-hmm. know what things can look like. And it's just going to be a really fun year. So I'm excited about it. I So have you dated a lot of men in your polyamory journey? I haven't dated a lot of men. I've dated, I would say, over the last, I mean, throughout the whole process, there are two guys that I can think of that I like care about or cared about and like had, you know, spent an extended amount of time with, Mm -hmm. um, one for, you know, multiple years. Like we saw each other for three plus years. Um, We're still like great friends. He just lives, um, you know, in, on the other side of the country now. Um, and then like, I've had little flings, you know, that will carry on for like a few dates, but nothing ever, nothing's really ever been that special. I think the beauty of being polyamorous and being like in an open marriage is you can be super selective. Yeah. I mean, everyone can be super selective. Actually, let me like backtrack. (laughs) But the perspective that I have 
as a married woman who has a beautiful, you know, other woman that mm-hmm. I'm also, you know, in love and in relationship with, it's like you've got to be really special and like come prepared to add to my life. Yeah. Because I don't have like the energy or time for somebody that's going to draw from my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I bring a lot of value. So, I mean, truthfully, there haven't been that many men that have shown up and really like made a difference in my life where I'm like, I want to hang out with you more. <laughs> well, yeah. I ask because like, I'm curious, you know, if like, if you had any prominent relationships or, um, or kind of like your experience in dating and what they thought of, like, if they knew of Lauren and your mm-hmm. husband or, um, you know, kind of what, I guess, you know, I, I feel like the reactions I always get, especially I, I have a girl that I've been seeing for a little while, you know, and then like my husband and then I just have like casual partners and most recently my two doms. But a lot of times people like, especially men, they're just very overwhelmed by yes. it. Yes, Very overwhelmed <laughs> yeah. by it. Yeah. And I've actually found like, God, I've, I'm just going to be honest. I find that it's over, it's so overwhelming for some that that carries into the bedroom. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, I'm just like, I'm like... I feel for you, but like I, this is like becoming a waste of my time. <laughs> like, um, you know, and I, I get it. It's it's not for everybody. And I think like, you know, when we've been in this lifestyle for a while, and I can tell you, you're like a very empowered woman. You know mm-hmm. what you want. You know yeah. what you want to try. And if you don't know what you want, you're like excited and curious, and you're coming from this like beautiful empowered place. And you know. It's it's challenging for men, men to like it scares yeah. the shit out of them. They're like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. You know what you want? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's circle back if that. Mm-hmm. No, I love that you said that, you know, in in dating Lauren, it, it kind of raised the bar because for me, when I started dating women is when I was like, This is the level of emotional maturity out there. Yes. Everyone needs to step it the fuck up. It's the yeah, best. Absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah. No, it's true. Kimi, you got to give it a try sometime. Wait, so you've never been with a woman? He's working on it. So, (laughs) I always say, (laughs) I gave it a shot at a sex party. I was like, you know what? I don't want to limit myself. I want to see how it is, you know, being sexual with women. And I tried it. I dipped my toes in a little bit. But it was my first sex party. And there was a lot going on. Mm. So... I, it was just, it was kind of like too much. And I was like, I don't know if I really vibed with it. And then now I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll give it another go. Next, next sex party, I'm going to like, okay, I'll allow myself to explore the space. But I guess, I don't know if I'm just like picky or selective or Maybe I'm just unfortunate. That's another thing I always say. I'm just unfortunately straight. So. I mean, maybe I'm not saying straight, I'm, don't force it. Don't force it. I'm just saying when you start dating women, it really raises the bar for emotional maturity. And you realize what an awesome relationship could look like if it's two very emotionally aware people. Mm-hmm. Not saying that men aren't emotionally aware. I'm just saying the women I've been with have been very emotionally aware. And that has opened my eyes to the to the capacity yeah. yeah, a relationship can have with that level of awareness. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know. I haven't been to like a slew of sex parties. I've been to a fair share of sex parties, but I feel like that might not be the best place to mm. give it a shot again because— Okay. I agree. Not that it's not a good place to like have sex with new people. It's just— 
when, I don't know, when like, God, sex with girls. It's just like, there's so much more exploration, I feel like, that happens, mm. like on a deep level that can be like so much fun and sexy and nurturing and healing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've had yeah. like amazing healing sex with, you know, men. I mean, mainly my husband. I don't think I've had healing sex with any other men. That's I've felt like so touched to my core, like felt like emotion, trapped emotions moving out of my body, like the way that I have with him. But with a woman, it's especially if there is like chemistry and a romantic connection a little bit. Like, I mean, Lauren and I have spent more time in, you know, in bed in like one session than anyone I've ever been with because you can just like do everything with a guy, you know, ev- like eventually they they can't stay hard. Yeah. You know, no. I mean, and like they can for like an hour and it's great. And like or if they take like yeah. a Viagra or something. But like girls can just stay turned on for a really long time and we can just have multiple orgasms. And so yeah. I feel like the sex becomes so expansive. And if you've like, I'm lucky I can have like multiple orgasms even like with men, but with another woman who can also keep going. Yeah. It's like the state of ecstasy that you can get to is like unmatched. It's I agree. Really? Like, she's like, Cammy's like, okay, let me rethink this. Maybe, yeah. I was like, okay, so maybe I'll try a threesome. Mm-hmm. I would start try there. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to kind of piggyback off that, I think because with sex with men, there's such a, you know, we call it the sex collator, right? You have to get to penetration and orgasm and then that's it. Mm -hmm. And so like there's such a focus on penetration that like you kind of oftentimes skip the foreplay. With women, there really is no sex collator. There is no penetration. There is no like, oh, we're going to enter each other like done and then like that's (laughs) it. So you instead you're like, well, what are you going to do? And then you have like all these things to play with. You have (laughs) like, yeah, you have boobs, you have your, you know, vagina, you have your asshole, you have your Mm -hmm. whole body. And suddenly like it opens this like Pandora's box. And like you said, like it goes on forever because like when you come, that's not it. Yeah. Either you have to recharge. Yes. You can both like want to come again. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I well, every time I go over to the, the girl that I see, like when I go to her house, like I know when I go to a dude's house, all a lot like an hour for sex. Mm-hmm. If that. Yeah. With like the girl, I'm like, we're gonna be at it for a couple hours. Yeah, you're gonna be yeah. here all night. Like, yeah. It, two, three hours minimum, you know. Mm-hmm. Same with like when I go see my doms, because like it's the three of us and you know, she's in there as well. And like it's always like it is a marathon. Kimmy, yeah. don't force it. But all I'm saying is consider it. Yeah. I like try. lesbian porn. So I think somewhere back there is. <laughs> oh, for sure, then. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I, that's all I've ever been able to watch, though, just because I find it more sensual. Same. So yeah. when I, I remember when I first started watching porn, I, um, I tried watching with, you know, a woman and a man. And I was like, this isn't any fun. So, you know, because it's, it's always a, like jackhammer. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the normal. It's like, you know, yeah. blowjob straight to, you know, mm-hmm. doggy. And it's like, nah, I want a little bit more of a show. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. Give it a try. I will give it another go. Okay. Please report back. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a fun experience. I guess my final question was, I know you guys, now it's, I guess it's more of a V, not quite as much of a triad, but are you open to that experience again? Like having like a full blown triad together? You know, have you guys like, is that a discussion you've had or, you know? It's not a discussion that we've had, actually. Um, So I love the question because I always 
like I've been doing a couple, you know, more interviews than usual. And so I bring these questions back <laughs> to Pasha and I'm like, <laughs> is this something we would do? It's funny right now. I feel like there's no room in my life for it because mm-hmm. I have so much going on. I'm like really fulfilled with my work and, you know, with Lauren and with Pasha. And I've, I've dated a couple of people peripherally in, mm-hmm. in, you know, the last couple of months, but I just, I can't, I don't know. I feel like lightning striking twice in the same place. But I also don't want to, you know, be closed off to it. So yeah. I'm definitely open to it. I don't think that it'll happen anytime soon, especially because like, you know, Lauren and I are in such a beautiful place and um, so are Pasha and I. And we're going to travel a lot this year and then focus on starting a family. So, I mean, unless lightning comes and strikes and like that person, right, Mm -hmm. is just so magical, which as we were saying, it's, you know, kind of hard to come by. Yeah. Um, Especially for two people, for three people to all feel that same way. So I don't foresee it happening, but I'm definitely open. Like I'm open to all possibilities. Nice. Question. Yes. So right now you have your husband and you have Lauren. Is your husband dating anyone? He's not. Wow. Yeah. And he's been very, like, very content and keeps telling me and reminding me and Lauren that he's, like, so happy right now because he's had the opportunity to and, like, you know, he'll get, he'll go on a boys trip or whatever. And the last, like, two times he's gone on boys trips where I'm like, for sure he's just going to, like, hook up with somebody at least. Like, my husband's, you know, very charismatic. He's such a flirt. He's, like, gorgeous. Especially as a Pisces. I know how they are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he hasn't. And he's, I've been like, you're not going to, and like, I'm kind of waiting for it. Cause I love it. It's a turn on yeah. for me. And he's like, no, I'm just really, really happy and feels very content. So, I mean, I love that for him. And he dated somebody last year who's amazing. And, you know, we're still friends or, you know, we're all friends, but no, nothing. I think that's great. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, I think a lot of times when we're non-monogamous or polyamorous, if we don't have multiple partners at once, a lot of us feel like we're stripped of that title. Mm-hmm. Now we're monogamous. Right. Like, oh my God, I don't want multiple partners right now. So that must mean I'm monogamous. And I'm like, no. Like, I, I, I think about that a lot. And I'm like, just because you're not like actively, you know, practicing polyamory, you're not actively like in multiple relationships doesn't make you any less non-monogamous or polyamorous like if you're content you know even if you're single and you're Mm -hmm. content like that's fine or you know if you're if you're a couple and you're open but like neither of you are seeing anyone like that's fine too you know I we definitely went through our own little pockets of time where we were like we're good you know like we don't need to see anyone else like we're we're happy um you know especially like if we spend a lot of time at home then we didn't we didn't really feel the need to go meet other people or anything like that so I think a lot of times as you know, non-monogamous, we have to remember that, you know, just because we're not actively practicing doesn't mean it strips us of that title. Totally. And I think it's like so important for people who are listening to like hear that, you know, it does, it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. And just because you like open up doesn't mean like you're, you know, you're open and that's it. And you can't like change your mind because, you know, when I'm coaching people, a lot of times they're all terrified to like have that step into like their first threesome or something because it's like Pandora's box. I mean, yeah, once you have your first threesome, trust me, you're not going to want to go back. Yeah. But it's also like such a good thing for people to hear that you can close your relationship. Say like you, you go into the red zone and you know, you, something happens that's really triggering and you need to like do some healing work around it. It's okay to like close your relationship and work on it and assess your 
your new state, regulate your emotions, set new agreements like if you need to. And exactly as you're saying, like express yourself as polyamorous or not, but your relationship should have chapters Mm -hmm. and seasons. And I love the times where we'll be, yeah, we'll, we'll not go out for like months at a time. I mean, I think like our longest stretch was like nine months without like seeing anybody else or hooking up with anybody else. And it's beautiful. And it almost wasn't conscious. Like we didn't do it on purpose. We have closed, you know, on purpose at times and, you know, reopened or been intentional. Like I'm feeling like I really need to like date somebody else. Like I need, you know, I need new DE. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just know that like because you decide to do something today doesn't mean you have to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like that it's your husband, you know, him saying like, I'm good right now. I don't need anyone because I feel like, especially like monogamous people looking in or just like society, they're like, oh, you're a man. You should want, you know, Mm -hmm. as many women as you can get right now. And it's like, no. Healthy Um, masculinity. Yeah. Healthy masculinity. He sounds like a phenomenal dude, to be honest. He's incredible. Yeah. He's the best. That's why I want all women to experience it. Like, people are like, what do you mean? You really like when people have sex with your husband? I'm like, yes, he's the best. I feel guilty and selfish if I keep him all to myself. I love that. Share him with the world. No, I think that's great. And I think, you know, like I said, it sounds like you two have, like, such a great foundation of put so much work into it. And, like, for anyone that wants to, like, enter non-monogamy or polyamory, like, I I hope, you know, that they enter it from the same perspective of, like, not only do you want to be, like, emotionally aware and healed and everything yourself, but, like, in the relationships as you enter them, you know, come at it from, like, let's build a foundation. Let's mm. let's do this the right way. Let's not rush it. Let's let it be fluid. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people struggle with letting it be fluid. So then they're like, oh, we're monogamous. Now we're going to be polyamorous. I'm like, that's it. But, like, you guys have been like, okay, like, everything's just going to flow as we want it to naturally flow. And we're going to allow for that to happen. And we're going to communicate and we're, you know, and discuss all that, negotiate those boundaries, all of that, so that it can remain fluid and, and, you know, remain in a way that allows the both of us to feel fulfilled, free, happy, whatever. Like, I think I think that's where people struggle, too, sometimes is they they want it so rigid they need that structure that it almost forces things to happen mm-hmm. and you hit those breaking points right yeah. whereas if they let it be a little bit more fluid you have more of that yeah. kind of natural organic non-gmo era one yeah. type relationship <laughs> let it breathe yes <laughs> <laughs> don't put peonies on it let it breathe okay <laughs> oh so good your one-liners are the best Uh, I'm really happy for the side of my brain that works on those. Like, that was a good one. (laughs) It comes so naturally, too. I love it. Um, Let's, everything that I had, uh, Jessica, it sounds like you guys have a phenomenal relationship, and I've loved learning more about it. I hope our listeners took away something from it and, and had an opportunity to connect with you. You know, check out our podcast, Open Late. I know I'll be... I'm not, I haven't caught up on every episode or like I'm, I've listened to like me. I love your Instagram. Yeah, really I know. Cool. I've been oh, all of your you. Instagram, but like I haven't listened to as many of the episodes. So I'm excited to go learn even more about them. Um, but thank you for joining us today. This has been like an absolute peach. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Yeah. And I can't wait to have you on my show. I know. We're super excited. Yeah. Wait, and plug in your socials right now at. Yeah. So at Open Late, the podcast. And my personal for my work, um, the journey with Jessica is journey.with.jessica. 
Love that. Yeah. I actually am really curious about this Cabo. Remember the other location? Oh, Sedona. <gasps> yes. Because I, I have been wanting to do retreats and a little bit more like solo work. Because I think, you know, I've put in a lot of work in myself, but I think there's always like an opportunity for even more like continued growth. Like yes. you said, really like opening up those parts of yourself and like seeing the ugliness and like just getting comfortable there mm-hmm. and, and learning how to work through all of that. So yeah. I've always been interested in more of that and I want to go. Come go with us. Out. I would love you to. Sedona yeah. is May 15th to the 19th. Sorry, Sedona is April 15th to the 19th. Okay. And um, Cabo is May, I think, 12th to the 18th or something like that. Those dates are open. We can We're open. Yeah. We're open. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh my God. My I was so just fun. thinking of sisters. Like, I don't think I have anything planned so <gasps> far. Yeah. It'll be Blair so May. great. We've had mother daughters on our retreats, but never sisters. Really? And you know, Kami, mm-hmm. I've always said you and I should probably get some therapy. So like maybe something like this could be a good starting point because, you know, we I started solo therapy. We're, you know, we love each other probably more than we love or love anyone else. We're... You know, I like, call her my soulmate. Absolutely, and I totally believe that. But I think there have been times where we probably need to work through some things that we haven't. So I'm down. Let's you check out. Do retreat. it on the retreat. I would yeah. love to have you. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you again, and you'll hear us as well soon on Open Late. But thank you for joining us from Double Team. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah. Well, everybody. Wear condoms as always, and yeah, we'll see y'all next time.